down in the grip of oppression I fought for my liberty I paid with the blood of my people Freedom has never been free Now my door's always open To dreamers and friends But when I'm attacked I protect and defend Because my name is America Hello everyone, hope you had a wonderful week. You're listening to Karen Schoen. This is the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. That you had the opportunity to view the Fox special. Fox actually did something good and conveyed absolutely incredible truth about what's going on in education and a big thank you to Pete Headseth for putting this together. He called it the miseducation of America. It's worse than that. I would call it the non-education of America because they're not educating folks, they're training. And by the time your child gets through the 12 years of this indoctrination, they will no longer be an individual They will no longer love their country. They will no longer love their family. And they will think that God is some anomaly that somebody dreamed up to keep them in check because the most important things in their lives are them. And this is not, absolutely not, anything that has to do with education. The sad part of this is, and I believe it, and I will say it over and over again, the thing that happens with guns And gun control is just a made-up story because they are not paying attention to what I believe is the deep embedded cause of why these people act like this. And that has to do with education. It is a lack of teaching to the left side of the brain, which is logic, reason, and critical thinking, and promoting the right side of the brain, which is trigger emotion. And when you only trigger the emotional part of a brain, anything can set someone off and they will do anything because that's human nature. Uh, Throughout our history, doesn't make any difference where we looked, whatever we did, doesn't matter. It's always the same. The weak always are the losers. They always are the victims and the strong always plunder them. That is history. That is go and look up civilization from the very, very beginning. You will always see that. Nothing has changed. And by not knowing that and by not understanding that, we will continue to perpetuate that. The human brain can only think of one thought at a time. So if your thought is on building something and creating something wonderful for humanity, then that's what your drive is going to be. But when that is shut down and all you are done, all you are being is told that emotion is what's important. You must act emotionally. Listen to our legislators, folks. There's no substance behind what they're saying. Everything is based on some emotional trigger. And this is where we get into trouble because if we look at their notes and their real goals, their real, real, real goal is to disarm Americans. And how are they going to do that? 
by blaming the gun, instead of by blaming what's really going on, which is the diminishing of the human being into nothing more than a victim who is part of a group that is being victimized throughout their lives. So folks, if you have a child in school, I would strongly, strongly recommend that you do everything possible to get that child out of those government indoctrination clinics. Unless you think you can fight the fight that says we need to ditch all the textbooks, everything. There isn't one book that is available now that doesn't promote that same type of display for how a child should behave throughout their lives. And we can tell right now it's the wrong path. Now, I can talk a lot about what's going on domestically, but we have to remember that this group of people is very interested in being able to promote a message. And while they have you directed to a message, we don't know what's going on in the rest of the world. We're not paying attention. And that, unfortunately, is the idea. So I would like to bring my friend, Claire Lopez, who is an expert on everything going on internationally, because she, that is her field. And folks, that's also important. We have so much going on. Don't pick everything. That's impossible. Pick one thing that bothers you the most, learn all about it and become the expert in that thing. So if your thing is gun control, then focus on that. If your thing is education, focus on that. If your thing is elections, focus on that. If it's the border, focus on that. Don't try to be an expert in everything, but try to pick one thing and bring that message to your legislators. Because if we don't straighten this out now, we ain't seen nothing yet, as they say. So Claire, thank you so much for joining me today. And my question, of course, to you is what's going on in the world? But <laughs> um, I read, and it was really quite frightening, that Venezuela is now entering into a pact with Iran. What is that all about? What is Iran doing? After all, they're not going to be a nuclear nation, are they? Well, thank you, Karen, for having me again. I'm always very glad to be back with you on the show. Uh, and you're right, there is just so much going on right now that people, you know, have a hard time uh, you know, grasping it all and, and, and understanding everything. And it's not possible to do. So thanks to you uh, and, and your show for helping people, you know, to give, give some ideas about what is happening. And certainly uh, in our own backyard in Latin America and Venezuela, where, by the way, I, I served at our embassy for a couple of years uh, back when, um, Venezuela has had a long relationship with Iran. We might recall back around 2005, uh, that is the year that Hugo Chavez, the, uh, the renegade colonel of the Venezuelan army, who staged two aborted coup d'etats while we were there at my, I and my family were there at the embassy, became president later on because they let him out of jail. I guess they figured he was, you know, reform. When he became president in 2005, likewise in Iran, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad came to the presidency there and they forged a relationship between them at that time. And the two of them were uh, overlapping in, in their terms of office until about 2013, which is when Hugo Chavez died of cancer. But during all those eight intervening years, 
the relationship between Venezuela and Iran expanded greatly. Iran expanded its presence at its embassy, at various consulates across the country. They established different banking institutions to help evade sanctions. Venezuela was more than willing to help Iran evade at that time what were pretty serious sanctions on its nuclear weapons activity and, of course, support for Islamic terror as well. Iran established airline flights back and forth between Caracas, the capital of Venezuela, and Tehran in, in Iran. Uh, its, its operatives of the IRGC, Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, a subsidiary unit of the Quds Force, and also its intelligence service, the MOIS, or Ministry of Intelligence and Security, were posted uh, in cover positions inside of Iranian diplomatic facilities and other kinds of front groups that it's set up, including commercial companies, not just banks, but also commercial companies for production of various things to include, by the way, drones. Yeah, drones. Iran has seen drones in Venezuela. Uh, Can I ask you to years. stop for one moment because I, you just sparked something. Do you remember when Obama allowed the drone to that came down in um, Iran? Was it Iran or Iraq? I don't remember. I'm sorry about that, folks. But he allowed them to capture a drone. And now you're saying that they are producing them? Since 2012, the Iranians have been on the ground in Venezuela producing drones there, which, which have a range that can uh, potentially uh, at some point reach mainland United States. Yes. Oh, that is very, very, very frightening. So what you're saying from what I'm gathering in this relationship that they have the terrorists from Iran can now come to Venezuela and the caravan that we see coming up right now that nobody will do anything about is filled with, they said, the majority of people coming from Venezuela. How do we know that these are not Iranian terrorists? Well, I have heard statements by former uh, DHS officials like Chad Wolf, certainly like Tom Homan, who headed up uh, ICE immigration and customs enforcement for a while, their statements um, have repeated over and over again on various interviews that there have been people from over 160 countries around the world that have been identified as coming from those countries, coming across our southern border unchecked, untested, un uh, you know, background verified, anything at all. So certainly, yes, some do come from Central America, South America, but others come from literally all over the world. And no, we have no idea who they are or what they're doing here, what their backgrounds are, but they're put on buses, they're put on planes, and they're sent all over the country uh, to be dumped in American communities without the community's knowledge or approval. Oh, but Claire, the Supreme Court said that they can't do that. So what's going on? The administration well, not exactly. is not um, paying attention to what the Supreme Court rulings are? Well, not, not, not exactly. I mean, the, the, the Supreme Court has ruled on a couple of narrow uh, policies, for example, that the Biden administration needs to abide by or uh, to, to halt its intended, what would you say, giving up Title 42, for example. And that needs to be halted. Title 42, as people may recall, is a measure uh, enacted during the, uh, during the Trump administration that was a part of the response to the SARS-CoV-2 
uh, pandemic, but was intended to keep people on the Mexican side of the border or sent back to the Mexican side of the border to help handle the pandemic and, and keep those who are not being tested. We have no idea what their disease status, not just, not just SARS-CoV-2, but a multitude of other diseases, no idea what those are, but they got to stay on the other side of the border. So that's one. And of course, the Biden administration is fighting that in court. What a surprise. I just read that though the uh, justices ruled against detaining immigrants seeking their release pending a trial that they are not entitled to a bond and that they cannot do a real a class action suit. They must be tried individually. So the Supreme Court believe it or not, folks, has actually sided with the Constitution. And that is a refreshing change, isn't it? Because if you read, I believe it is Article 14, it says that the Constitution really applies to those people who are under the jurisdiction thereof. Now, what does that mean? It means that they have to be American citizens. If you're coming in from Venezuela and you have not become an American citizen, you are not entitled to the protections of the Constitution. Although our Democrat communists, cultural Marxists, will throw that out and ignore it and think everybody is entitled. There is protection, and it looks like maybe just a little bit the justices are beginning to understand that, and that would really be refreshing. What, what can we do, Claire? Is there any way to stop these people from coming in reality? Not, you know, let's say we really could do something. What could we do? Well, I mean, immediately, um, in, in view of the administration's policies, not a whole lot. However, this is an election year. Many states already have had or are in the process of holding uh, their primary elections leading up to the midterm elections in November. These are important. And it's not just top of the ticket races like uh, governors or, you know, you think you think of top of the ticket races, but the down ticket races. I'm talking about the local races to support candidates or those already in office seeking reelection who pay attention to, to what the American people really care about, what are the, what, what we're worried about, like unregulated. Uh, mass border crashing immigration. Pay attention to your local races, especially at the county level, even the city council level, library, board, school board, many things at the down ticket level are super important because that is where we do still have input and a say so as American citizens. Yes, and you have to vet your candidates by asking them the right questions. Mm -hmm. It is really nice if they have a nice family and they're religious and they go to church and blah, 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 and how nice they're about their background, but that really is not going to help us. You have to ask them the hard questions. What would you do with the illegals who are now in our county? I posed that question and got a blank stare. You don't want to elect people that give you a blank stare. You don't want to elect people that are only capable of making a talking point. And then when you ask them the question behind it, they go blank. They don't know what you're talking about. And that happened to me when I asked one of our candidates, what would they do about the ESG score? Would they be able to be part of a sponsorship of a bill that would not allow that in Florida? And 
answer that I got back was, what was ESG? So we have to pick our candidates that are knowledgeable or at least are willing to accept what we are saying as an expert. You're the expert if they're not. You know about it. They don't. And if we don't ask the right questions, we have, are going to be looking at a situation that is going to get worse and worse and worse. Because a new Congress, Claire, does have the right to veto and override the executive orders that Biden has put in, especially if, uh, if they are unconstitutional. So we well, would have actually, the right to do the, something, wouldn't we? That, that, that would be uh, the, the job of the Supreme Court, a separation of powers here. Congress, the, the, the legislative branch, uh, can pass laws to, to stipulate what is lawful, what is not lawful, and they can override a veto already uh, given by a president. That's the legislative branch's duty. But to declare uh, either a law uh, or an executive order unconstitutional, that would be the, the, the job of the judicial branch. Because the Chinese influence over our legislators is staggering, and we can see that happening constantly, being prepared for an invasion of Taiwan, which China has told us over and over again they want. Whether or not they're going to do anything about it at this moment, I don't know, but it's certainly hanging out there all the time. So I think that we should be looking at the links and where the people that we are planning on electing, where their allegiances are. Are there allegiances to America or are there allegiances to uh, big corporate entities and will be further driven into this despair that we have right now? Should we be looking at their relationships, Claire? Well, certainly we should. And uh, here I would recommend um, the new book by Peter Schweitzer, uh, who's written a number of books, but his most recent called Red Handed, came out uh, last year, I believe it was. And, and it is a, um, a, a book that is chock full of evidence, footnoted to a fare thee well, um, evidence about the collusion and the co-option of various sectors of our society, not sectors only, the people in those sectors, people leading those sectors of society. And each chapter is separate. There's one, for example, for academia, one for Wall Street and business, one for the diplomatic corps, one on government and so forth. He, he talks about what the Chinese themselves term elite capture. Elite capture means that the CCP, Chinese Communist Party, has did set out a long time ago and succeeded in, in, in an uh, amazingly uh, and horrifically uh, large measure to compromise, to co-op leadership figures in our sectors of society. Take a look at public health, for example. Absolutely incestuous relationships, like a Francis Collins, former head of NIH, National Institutes of Health, who entered into a collaboration agreement with the Chinese Academy of Military Science back in 2015. That organization, subsidiary of the People's Liberation Army, and together they run China's offensive biological weapons program. That is what Peter Schweitzer means by elite capture. So these companies have uh, met that quote used to be American companies are now global. And a lot of their business is being done in China. And therefore, they are beholden to the Chinese for 
their business. How stupid well, is I that? Mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Any any company, American or otherwise, um, that chooses to have a business presence in China is acquiescing in in essence to turning over all of their intellectual property to the Chinese, all their trade secrets, all their intellectual property. And as well, the other very disturbing part of that is that too many American companies that are working in China do so, of course, for the labor uh, saving, cost saving, but they're not at all troubled, it would appear, by using slave labor. Doesn't bother them. And when Secretary of State Antony Blinken at the end of May, just a couple of weeks ago, laid out the Biden administration China policy plan for the first time, he made it very clear that the United States was not holding China to account for any of these misdeeds, intellectual property theft, use of slave labor, but rather the United States looked to invest and align and collaborate with the Chinese regime. This is just, you know, it's unbelievable. And it, it, it really says who these people are. I have been thinking of something over and over again that I would like to share with you. You remember when Hillary Clinton and uranium won and they gave our uranium to Russia, made Russia a partner in American uranium. Uranium, by the way, folks, is very necessary for medication. But somebody, uh, I was listening to a show yesterday, don't remember what it was, but they were talking about Biden and the electric cars, which is a whole other issue, and putting uh, solar farms in all over the place, how they were enhancing China. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, now, remember Afghanistan. Afghanistan, the minerals that are needed for the batteries of these uh, electric vehicles or of um, solar panels or whatever it happens to be, they require batteries. And batteries don't create electricity, they store electricity. And they need minerals in order to be created. And one of the mines that this mineral comes from is in Afghanistan. And I believe that because Biden was so encroached with China that There was a deal somewhere because as we left Afghanistan, the Chinese took over uh, the mine. I think it was lithium. And now as we are being forced into solar panels, which are being produced in China, which the batteries are being produced in China, it's beginning to fit like maybe China had something over Biden, what a surprise, um, that said, leave all the equipment there, we can reproduce it, and we'll know what you have. And uh, that's how you'll get out of Afghanistan. And in the meantime, we'll do the mining, and we'll take care of the mining and the mines, and you'll just leave. And that's what we did. And I think it's because Biden was being paid off. And I can't prove that. But again, I don't believe in coincidences. And all of these things are beginning to fit as we're giving China so much power over America. Well, here's the thing, Karen. You know, um, there is uh, a, uh, a group uh, of what is called rare earth elements. And these are found not everywhere on earth. Uh, many are located in Afghanistan, rare earth elements or rare earth minerals sometimes. 
uh, like lithium, cobalt, um, uh, molybdenum, and, and, and other exotically named uh, uh, minerals that, that most people have not heard of, but you're absolutely right that these are necessary for so many things, among them uh, batteries that would be used to store electricity produced um, maybe by solar panels or, or whatever. Um, but uh, there are rare earth elements located in Africa, a place where the China's where, where, where China's Belt and Road Initiative is especially aggressive. We have rare earth elements here in the United States too. But with the, the whole leftist uh, green movement, um, mining, which, which can be very disruptive you know, to, to the environment, that's true, um, mining of, of such minerals was deemed uh, beneath us. We're, we're just not gonna do that. We're, we're better than that and we're, we're too green for that. And so we have the rare earth minerals here, but we're not mining them. We're not producing them. We're not um, you know, turning them into uh, the products that are needed in the market. We shoved off our dirty work, our production, manufacturing, mining to other places like China, or now like China in Afghanistan. But we could mine and produce our own if we got the, you know, the crazy lefty greenies out of the way. Well, I think the Chinese would be capable of doing that. <laughs> because if you don't do their bidding, you will be out of the way. And uh, that is not a good thing. So one of the things, folks, you can ask uh, your Democrat candidates when you go to their meetings and they start talking about electric cars, uh, ask them, where does electricity come from? And usually you'll get an answer like from the socket in the wall. Okay. Uh, where does that come from? Uh, well, it's connected to a wire that goes to a power plant. Oh, okay. Where does the power plant get their electricity from? Uh, they get it from the grid. Oh, isn't that wonderful? And where does the grid get the electricity from? And then you'll get a blank stare because nobody will say the next part, which is it needs coal or natural gas. Otherwise, there's or no electric or oil. Yes, those dirty, disgusting fossil fuels, which now burn clean because we have to do that. And that is a good thing because pollution is never a good thing. So cleaning up the air was a good thing. But as Claire said, we have everything here in America to be totally self-sustaining. And that's why everybody's eyes are on America because they want a piece of that pie. Folks, uh, it looks like this administration is going to give it to them unless we, the people, do our due diligence and get the right people in office. Claire, we're coming to the end of the show, which means you'll have to come back because you're such a wealth of information. So please tell everyone where they can find you and where they can find your postings, which are fabulous. Well, thank you so much again for having me, Karen. And uh, I post interviews like this one and uh, my, my published writing, uh, at places like the Citizens Commission on National Security, also at the United West. Uh, I'm a senior advisory board member for Sarjus Sangari's uh, Near East Center for Strategic Engagement. That's another site. Um, also at American Truth Project, uh, a bunch of videos are gonna be coming out very soon that we recorded not very long ago. Watch for American Truth Project. 
You can find me on social media too. I'm at Claire M. Lopez on Twitter. Also the same, my name on Facebook. Um, I am uh, at Lopez Liberty on Telegram. And I am newly uh, signed up, uh, building my followers at Truth Social, where I'm at Clercho, C-L-A-R-E-C-H-O. That's my little Slavic nickname. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me today. Folks, you're listening to Karen Schoen. This is the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. Don't go away. It's that time again. We'll be right back. While many things we hear are lies, we know one thing is true. Viruses exist and people get sick. Look, there's no guaranteed way to keep from getting sick, but there is a way to reduce your chances. Cofix RX, the original povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray that you hear Dr. McCullough talking about, provides an additional invisible layer of protection from colds, flu, coronaviruses, and more. Click the banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and use promo code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Stay protected with Cofix RX. Because of COVID-19, many Americans worry about their health four times a day. That's 120 times per month. To minimize the worries, leading nutritional supplement company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost, an immune supplement that contains full effective doses of science-backed nutrients like vitamin C, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea, all in a one-a-day, pill-free, ultra-absorption ingestible gel. It tastes great, comes in a convenient squeeze gel pack, and it's more natural too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Supporting a strong and resilient immune system can be simple. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Immune Super Boost. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. often ask me, Malcolm, how do we fight the corruption? Robert Frost has said it best, freedom lies in being bold. Well, for six incredible years, bold is America out loud. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Welcome, everyone, and hope you had a great break. We're back again. This is Karen Schoen. You're listening to the Prism of America's Education. We just spent a long time with Claire Lopez from the intelligence community. What Claire doesn't uh, talk about is the other shoe that's about to drop, if it has not already dropped, and that is our economy. Nobody is talking about the real economy and what is really going on that will destroy the American family and will destroy America as we know it. So we have to remember that these people that are doing this, number one, they're destroying America on purpose because they have to bring America down to the other countries. After all, you can't have an American owning a house and a European not being able to afford a house. So they have to make it 
fair for everyone, equitable for everyone, and therefore we will own nothing and they will love it because that's what they really want. So one of the clues that I think that you should be paying attention to, folks, is the electric vehicles, because as they are pushing these vehicles on the American public, I go back to the same thing over and over again. Where are these cars going to be plugged in? What's going to generate electricity for these cars? And if you ask them, you will be shocked at the answers that you get. You'll get answers that will be something like, it comes from the power grid. Okay, where does the power grid get its electricity from? Well, the power grid gets the electricity from the stations that are plugged into it. Well, where do they get their electricity from? Eventually, we're going to have to go back to the real answer, which is coal or natural gas. So what they are trying to do really in reality is provide another vehicle that will not work and that will keep you locked down because that is really their ultimate goal. I asked a good friend, Mark Wishern, to join me today because Mark studied the Austrian economics, and people are confused with Austrian economics and Keynesian economics, which is what these people believe in. Uh, Keynesian economics is really the ones with the biggest debt is the winner. That's basically what they're saying. You can print and print and print, and it's not doesn't have to be tied to anything because that's a wonderful thing. Well, that's not such a wonderful thing. So, Mark, thank you so much for joining me today. And maybe you can straighten us out and help us. Let us know what is the difference between the two and why should we be paying attention to one and not the other? Aaron, thanks again for having me on your show. Uh, yeah, dealing in e economics, it's, it seems like the only thing that is taught anywhere is Keynesian economics, which is just kind of pump it up until it explodes and then uh, transfer all the power to the people that have the, that create the money instead of the ones who actually make it. And uh, Austrian economics, just to put it in layman's terms, is nothing more than you're grounded by what you have. You can't just print money because you can. So you're grounded by like a gold standard, for instance. So you can only print out the money that you actually have in the bank accounts, just to keep it nice and simple anyways. That is exactly right. And thank you. And understand, folks, what they are doing is basing the economy on cheap labor, which is why the borders must remain open. And they feel that if they bring in cheap labor and reduce the salaries of Americans, then that's a winning, a winning uh, formula to save the economy. That's Joe's formula. What do you think about that, Mark? Well, I think we're going to move, or what the plan is to move to a basic, uh, basic income for every person. And uh, what I see coming down the pipeline is everybody will get a check for doing basically nothing. So your socialism, if you will, communist, whichever way you want to spin it. And uh, the way this is going to have to work is in order to keep up with the M2 money supply, you're going to get X amount of dollars given to you from the federal government, but you have to spend it in X amount of time or you lose the value of that. And like what they're doing now in China, you're going to look at, uh, you know, social credit scores and things of that nature. So, you know, if you don't, if you post something on Facebook, for instance, you're going to get fined for it. So rather than what we have today, which with, you know, actually having at least an illusion of money, we have currency, obviously, but 
the problem we're going to have is once they eliminate the dollar completely and go 100% digital, there won't be any cash. So everything will be absolutely followed to a T by the federal government and they will turn off your money and turn on your money whenever they, they deem it necessary. And the bad part, folks, is they're not just doing this to individuals, they're doing this to businesses as well. For example, Biden made an executive order giving a billion dollars to the agriculture industry to recreate processing plants. Okay, that sounds like a great idea, especially since 20 of them have come offline for a variety of reasons. And I truly believe there are no such things as coincidences. However, on these food processing plants, what they have done is made the restrictions to put in water and sewer. The EPA has made the restrictions so harsh that any small business trying to do that is going to wind up spending $350,000 just to meet the regulations. A farmer who is working on thin margins to begin with is going to say, no, I'm not going to do that. So what did Biden really do? He gave the big ag companies the ability to grow and prosper by eliminating the competition. And that's the way this government is working. That's the way communists work. It is important to eliminate the competition. We're not going to do that. We have to find ways we will compete with them, but not by putting our money with them. Why are we giving our money to people who hate us? Mark, everything is based on an ESG score now, which to me is just really the same thing as the social credits for the individual. The ESG is the social credits for the small businesses. So we have a real problem. What do you think about that, Mark? Well, we we definitely have an issue. Uh, this is something that we need to get together locally and start addressing this and start taking control of some of these elections. I think that's the only way we're going to be able to get around it and understand the elections are, you and I both know after running for offices, uh, they don't exactly, you're not, the votes aren't going to count, be counted. Let's put it that way. You know, when it comes down to these credit scores, you know, I have two small businesses myself and I know that's going to deeply impact us as soon as they really start hitting us with it. You know, they're going to try to put us out of business as well. I'm sure ESG credit scoring is just going to literally obliterate everything we're doing. Um, the free market is completely gone. And that's because the federal government's allowed to, to run everything. And we need to take control of that. Well, how would we go about doing that? I did a small thing and I think everybody could at least do this one. I closed all of my accounts in any bank that has anything to do with ESG, which are the big banks. And I looked for a credit union and for my state banks, which will eliminate or won't pay attention to ESG. And that's where I put my money. I also am not shopping in these stores. Why are we continually giving our money to people who say, I hate you. I want to kill you. I want you dead. We have to depopulate you. Why would I want to feed the beast? It doesn't make sense. Mark, there are a lot of solutions that people can do. What do you suggest that we do? Because we're a very solution-oriented show. I like to give people homework because I was a teacher. <laughs> so your homework for this week is get your money out of the banks that deal in ESG scores. Imagine, I didn't take out a lot because I don't have a lot. But if a lot of us got together and did the same thing, it would be a huge impact. 
and they might actually pay attention. What do you think, Mark? Well, um, and we started something here in Freeport called a Committee of Safety. And just to give a quick background on a Committee of Safety, the Committee of Safety was started back before the Revolutionary War, which essentially was created a parallel government to the current government, legally still, to a parallel government, if you will. It actually, uh, Paul Revere, John Hancock, and those guys are the ones that put it together up in Massachusetts. So when they came together, this Committee of Safety ended up being a committee of whole, which was all all the people in the area and uh, would actually come to the meeting. And each one of these would be split out into different branches to address it, several different issues, ways and means and things of that nature, uh, how to fund everything. And the meeting came together generally every other week is what they had it put back then. And we're doing the same thing now is we want to get people involved. And I think that's our biggest challenge. Nobody wants to get involved till they understand it directly hits them. And then it's going to be too late. So this committee of safety we've got started is is essentially an opportunity for the people to actually come together and actually select their leaders for their area. So it works on the, well, actually created the whole delegate process that we use for electing the president. That committee of safety spun into the Second Continental Congress, which then wrote the Declaration of Independence. So that's kind of the background on it. We want to recreate that and get that started again. But in the meantime, we have to also teach people what the actual problems are in the country, because you can pretty much bring them down to two different sources, one of them being money. If you don't understand money, as you mentioned, the banks and so forth, they have to understand how money is created. It's it's There is no gold standard anymore, and we do have the Keynesian economics. So they have to understand that part. And the other one, which is even more difficult, is understanding something called jurisdiction, which is understanding U.S. citizens, the difference between U.S. citizens and state citizens and where the constitution actually applies. Because when you study it and read all the Supreme Court rulings, it's very simple. If you're a US citizen, you're not a part of the United States constitution. You don't have rights. You waive those during the, the new deal going back to 1933. So we have to educate people what the problem is and then how we can move off of that financial system because we're in contract laws now. Uh, so when you get your marriage license, you get your driver's license, you get your birth certificate, all those are contracts with the federal government moving you from state jurisdiction to federal jurisdiction, therefore eliminating the, the protection underneath the Constitution. So when I hear a lot of people saying, I know my rights, well, I, I ask them, you know, do you have a driver's license? And they go, yes. And well, I said, well, you don't know your rights because you don't technically have any. You forfeited those by giving your rights away by choice become to take the benefits of the federal government, social security and whatever else that technically earned benefits in the first place. So what we do is we spend a little time giving some background on explaining that. So I know our next meeting is coming up on the 29th here in Freeport, and we do a training at 6.30 to explain the basics on it. And then we actually go into the meeting at 7 p.m. and we kind of lay everything out. So those committee of safeties are very well organized. And uh, we're, like I said, we're just now setting ours up. And I want to be teaching people how to set up their own, basically in every school district, because that's that's the kind of control we need to have is on a local level. I couldn't agree more. Folks, we have been saying that for the longest of time. Most people don't understand the Tenth Amendment. And what that means is that anything that is not listed as part of what the federal government is supposed to do belongs to the states and we the people. Most people don't realize that it is the people that set up the government. So therefore, the government cannot rule the people. 
the people are supposed to rule the government. The problem is that we had horrible Congresses in the last, I would say, several decades who have been systematically giving away their rights as the Congress to do things for the people. And they have given up those rights and are allowing the federal government to take over. And one of those things that comes to mind is education. The federal government, by their own education code, is not allowed to get involved in curricula, is not allowed to get involved in programming, is not allowed to get involved in any facet of education other than to see each state has an education department. That's basically all the federal government has done. So having a committee of safety, I'm sure, Mark, that you're discussing the Bill of Rights and the Constitution and, and what it means and how we must apply it to our everyday life. Yeah, that's that's definitely a heavy part of it, obviously, because we need to go back to the Constitution. But see, even that's the challenge, because according to the Supreme Court rulings and I'll be happy to send all your listeners a PowerPoint explaining and breaking everything down in detail to give them a little more information so they get a little heads up and then invite them to the meeting. The big thing is the 14th Amendment citizenship that was created after the Civil War. You know, once we lost the Civil War, which technically had nothing to do with slavery, that was a, a war for, you know, who controlled whom, whether the federal government controlled the states or the states controlled the federal government as the Constitution was written. We lost that war. So the federal government does control us now. And that 14th Amendment was passed under martial law and forced the Southern states to agree to that. And once that 14th Amendment was created, it created a whole separate jurisdiction and a whole separate citizenship. Because prior to the Civil War, in order to be a citizen of the United States, you had to be a citizen of one of the several states to be a citizen of the United States. It was never a standalone citizenship. Today, and since the 1930s with the New Deal, it is a standalone citizenship. And you can be a citizen of the state or the federal government, your choice at this point, if you become a, a citizen of the U.S. or a 14th Amendment citizen, then you no longer have the Constitution which applies to you. And that's where I think is the real challenge for people to grasp that, because even the 10th Amendment, it, it absolutely spells it out, but you have to be a party of the 10th Amendment in order for it to apply to us. So in order for us to do that, we have to end the contracts that we've signed into. And the only way to do this legally is to fix the monetary system, because everything we do has got a price tag tied onto it and is tied into the federal zone via money or via currency, if you will, Federal Reserve notes. And that's part of what we teach in the class is because if we don't grasp that concept, there's going to be a lot of people going to jail. It's like these uh, sovereign people that run around saying, hey, I'm a sovereign citizen. Well, um, my, my buddy Jeff, which I think you met, he had a, a good name for them. They're called patriots because they don't understand the law, but they're patriots. That's people like, uh, I forgot the guy that was in Blade that went to prison for not paying taxes and things like that. Those kind of people don't understand the law and they don't understand the jurisdictional issues. So that's what we really got to get across is understand the jurisdiction and the money so we don't get ourselves thrown in prison by breaking the contracts we are. Because that's essentially where it came in, Article 1, Section 10 of the United States Constitution, the contract clause, if you will. If you sign a contract outside of the United States Constitution, in other words, if you sign something with the U.S. jurisdiction, any one of the contracts that we've signed, a loan, driver's license, again, a birth certificate and things of those nature, if you sign that contract, the Constitution says it can not interfere with contract law with Article 1, Section 10 of the Constitution. So therein lies a huge issue. 
And this is what we've got to get people to understand. Technically, there's no way we can just end all of our contracts because everybody has mortgages on their houses. You can't just end it unless you everybody's loaded with money. And that's not going to happen. So we need to focus on taking control of our local government and start fixing the small things first, you know, making sure our kids aren't, you know, going through this education process about learning about transgender and all this other stuff when they're five years old and they barely learn how to walk and chew bubble gum at the same time. That stuff has to end now so we can start fixing the next generation because it's basically going to be the urgent versus the important. And the urgent thing is to address these issues at our school, but the important thing is to learn the long-term solutions so we can get that done as soon as possible. And the only way that we're going to learn the long-term solutions is if we start teaching them. And that's the biggest problem. When people are, are concentrating and being taught and being fed, as Mark said, all of this transgender garbage, instead of learning how to read, write, and do math, read the Constitution, understand it, then there is no hope because everybody is working on what they're doing now in school, which is a value-driven education, not a fact-based education. The scary thing with the left is that they view facts as a division we say facts bind us together because wherever we go, any place in the world, a fact is a fact. The truth is a truth. Well, they're trying to change that. So it becomes the truth of the day. Well, the truth of the day, my favorite one is America is a democracy. No, America is not a democracy. But this is these are the basics. And if we don't pay attention to what our kids are learning in school, they are going to have a bigger mess than we could even conceive of having today, because they will be two to three generations from now, and they will have no knowledge of any of their rights except those that are granted by the government. And that's what this is all about. This is a group of people who feel they are richer and smarter than you are and therefore have the right to rule you and tell you what to do. I don't think so, Mark, do you? No, I don't think so at all. <laughs> so <laughs> what would you suggest um, in the few minutes that we have left? What would you suggest that our audience do? Let's have a game plan, things that people can actually put together and do on their own. Well, I think the again, the urgent versus the important, the first thing we need to do is we need to figure out where we're getting food from. Because as you can see, the federal government is now paying and has been paying farmers to eliminate their crops to deliberately cause that need. You've also got issues going on with diesel fuel and death, you know, that we run all the diesel trucks on, which runs off of fertilizer. You've seen a lot of things in the recent past of, of fertilizer getting destroyed. So I can see an, a major issue coming with food. And I really, and since 2014, when I ran for Congress, I told everybody they're going to do a food for guns. Once they starve us out, you can have food, but we need your guns in return because they're going to have to get the guns in order to be able to get done what they need to get done. So I really think your listeners need to absolutely figure out how, you know, start making friends with people who that produce eggs, uh, start looking at your food, getting your local, uh, local meat manufacturers and start working with them as quickly as possible because you need to make sure you can secure your food. First and foremost, I, I think there is going to be an issue with diesel. And obviously, if diesel goes down there, everybody's, well, well, I'll just get a gas car. Well, if you can't deliver the gas because they're delivered by diesel, then you're not going to have gas either. You have to look at the thing. I, I went ahead, I did buy a uh, or put a deposit down on an electric vehicle. I have several gas vehicles, but I just need to make sure I've got something to fall back on. Of course, I've got a patent that actually is a, 
solar powered air conditioner produces drinking water that will also recharge my car for me. So I don't have to rely on the grid. I'm looking at things like that. So what I would really suggest your listeners to do is first and foremost, figure out what you're going to do with food because that, that's going to be the key, the key factor. You know, send me an email. Uh, I'll be happy to send over the PowerPoint, even help them set up their own committee of safety in each of their cities. So you can start taking care of the corruption in the county level, the city level, and start straightening that and put your own people in office. And that's really the only way to make a change. By the way, Mark, Mark is talking about Freeport, Florida. There are many Freeports. Uh, let's make sure we all have the right one. Mark, would you give everybody your email address so that they know where to send uh, their request for you? Yeah, they can send it to mwish, W-I-S-H, at protonmail.com. Okay. That's M-W-I-S-H at proton, protonmail.com. Okay. And I advocate folks take a closet in your house, especially if you are living in a city, uh, because you are going to be the hardest hit. The people who are living in the rural areas, uh, worst case scenario, you can go and talk to a farmer. You have a piece of land, you can plant something, you can do something. But for those of you who live in the city, it's going to be harder and harder and harder. So I would suggest you take a closet in your house, clean it out, and start buying food and fill that closet so that at least you have six to eight months, maybe even a year's worth of food like rice and beans, dry things that you can uh, keep. You can go on uh, YouTube and you can find many different ways to store things. The key items, of course, are going to be water. You're not going to have water. So imagine your life without water. Uh, impossible. Start collecting water and get a lock Put it on that closet door and don't tell anybody other than your family members that it's there. Because I believe that people from history, I have watched this over and over again, which is one of the reasons, of course, why they don't teach history. But when people are hungry, they will do horrible things. And that's exactly what Mark was alluding to. That is exactly what's going to be happening. So we have to make sure that we are prepared because the worst thing, as Mark says, is we'll be dependent on the government and they'll say, oh, sure, you want a, um, a dozen eggs? Well, uh, give me that Luger in your pocket. Uh, excuse me, how am I supposed to defend myself? I don't care. You'll come here and get your eggs. Guess what will happen, folks? On the way back to your house, somebody's going to rob you, break the eggs. You won't have eggs and you won't have a gun either. So you have to be smart. And you have to make a plan. And I would suggest that Friday, shut the lights off in your house. Shut off, pull up all the plugs. Have no electricity. And live that way until Monday. And see the things that you need to collect for you and your family to keep you safe. Because we are going to have a road to hoe that is going to be long going. Uh, we can see what's happening with the stock market. That's another thing. If you're invested in, uh, go and look at your pensions. And if your pension is invested in groups like BlackRock or Vanguard, these are the people who are trying to kill us. Get your money out of those pension funds. You can do that. You can put your money anyplace. And um, we're not going to guarantee anything, but do you have any suggestions, Mark? Putting money in gold and silver, I thought might be a good thing. Even buying land would be a good thing. Get your money out of money, money, out of cash, because well, cash yeah, I, will be I, worthless. 
Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, obviously, I think people have to get into more silver than gold just because it's easy. It's a smaller denomination. So if you need a, you know, a gallon of milk or something, you're not going to give them a, a one ounce gold coin. But if you are going to buy gold, I highly recommend you get pre-33 gold coins because they're actually still money. Anything after 1933 is not money. So that can be confiscated. You know, and, and I do see they're going to some kind of high tax on confiscating gold and silver. And obviously the silver, the best silver to get would probably be the pre-1962 silver quarters and silver dimes because they are 90% silver. And to me, that's that's what I would stock. And uh, but more importantly, I think tan goods and start putting and start thinking about immediate. So if you're tied on tied on funds, I would look at food first. Yes. Um I don't think uh, I, I I own some land and I've sold my 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 nice house and we moved out to the country just so I could have a little bit of land. So I start growing it. And one of the things we're going to teach people how to do is to file a land patent on their property, because technically you don't own real estate. You know, you don't own it. That's owned right. by the federal government because all they got to do is take your property taxes and jack them up to where you can't afford them and you're going to lose your property. So one of the things we're going to be teaching is how to file a land patent on your property where you no longer pay any type of tax on your property. You literally own the property. The federal government cannot kick you off. You can pass it down to your children and everything else without any kind of taxation or anything. So, but again, it's going to be in the proper jurisdiction. That's part of the learning curve, but that's more of a long-term agenda as to, as we inform people what we need to do and how they need to address it. Uh, but to me, first of all, the first, make sure you got your food and your water and you can kind of look at, I didn't even finish my patent up on my solar powered air conditioner that produces drinking water because I wanted everybody to get their own and make it. So as long as they understand the concept of filtering out uh, condensed water off your air conditioning, you can have AC off the uh, solar panels and at least have AC when it's the hottest out and the sun's out. And that will produce, uh, my system puts out about 30 gallons of water per day. So enough to drink off of, obviously. And that's something the federal government cannot own is the air. They can own the water on your land and they can own the water underneath your land. But so far, they've not figured out how to capture the the, the dew or the condensation outside. That's going to be the humidity, if you will. Well, they will try to figure it out, folks. Believe me, and we have to be prepared. Thank you so much, Mark. And that is mwish at protonmail.com. Dot com. Please contact yes. Mark and get the PowerPoint. And if you are anywhere near Freeport, Florida, please join Mark on uh, the meeting, which he will let you know exactly where and when. Thank you for joining me. This is Karen Schoen. You're listening to the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. And I am so proud to be part of that organization. Have a wonderful week, folks. We will see you again next week. Get prepared. That's the message of the day. Get prepared. Like the Boy Scouts, be prepared. Thank you all. But I'll-